Welcome to our evening service, our Easter Sunday evening service for both you who are gathered together and also those watching at home. Um, welcome to this time together. Uh, let me just set the scene for us this evening. Uh, when we come to Easter, and Easter Sunday in particular, we are filled with all kinds of emotions. Um, there is the reflection as we reflect on Good Friday, and also the, uh, the, the, the reality of knowing the hope of um, life and eternal life as we think of the resurrection as we saw this morning, that, that picture of both hope and power. But this evening, as resurrected people, as followers of the Lord Jesus who follow his path, of both suffering, but also of hope and new life. We, um, our life and our faith is built upon the events of Easter Sunday. As Paul the Apostle wrote, if our hope in Christ is good for this life only and no more, then we deserve more pity than anyone else in all the world. So if what has taken place is not true and is fake news and not good, momentous news. We, those of us in this room now, those of you watching on YouTube, are to be pitied. Think of the other things that you could have been doing over these 10, 20, 30, 40 years of coming to church every Sunday, of standing for something that is not true. Is fake. Think of those Christians down the ages who have been both persecuted and martyred for their faith. We live in a world that is skeptical, that questions, that doubts, that argues for that which we believe to be true. And there are times for all of us here this evening. When we ask that question, is it true? Is it real? We can all empathize with some of those characters as we saw this morning, but some of the characters that we looked at this evening, we will see various responses to the resurrection from surprise and doubt, but also commission. And uh, this evening... I don't want any of us to leave here with what was described in a book by Os Guinness as Christians who have fit bodies and fat minds. Fit bodies and yet fat minds. Because if this is true, it not just changes our thoughts and our outlook to the future, but in the present we are commissioned, aren't we? As Peter was commissioned when he met the resurrected Jesus. So this evening we'll in some ways, um, take us from that point of the women at the empty tomb to Thomas, who often is named as Doubting Thomas and looking at doubt, to then Peter as he meets the resurrected Lord Jesus. We begin as we survey the cross. Our first reading is Luke chapter 24, Luke 24 verses 1 to 8. 
On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Surprise. This is what we're going to look at for the next five minutes or so as we reflect on those women that went to the tomb. I don't know if you like surprises. Um, Boris Basternak, the author of Dr. Shivago and other great writings, said surprise is the greatest gift life can grant us. And in our reading, um, we have, as we put ourselves in the shoes of, or the sandals of, of these uh, women who went to the tomb, they would have been full of heartache, full of grief, memories that would have gone from joy to the utter shock and the aftershock of seeing their beloved Jesus tortured. You cannot imagine, can you, that journey that they would have taken towards the tomb. As the women walked, there may have been anger, regret, maybe thinking, why did I say that to Jesus when he was alive? Oh, why didn't I say something else? Disappointment of, of a life that ended far too soon. And although oh, Billy Joel wasn't around when they were walking, I'm sure that the words of Billy Joel would resonate. Only the good die young. Yes, but he was more than good. And there was none like him. And he was cut and he was killed far too soon. The scene that we have just read, that we have just looked at, uh, would have been a place, uh, would have been a place where light was breaking through the darkness. But as someone has said, the sun was rising, but it was the darkest morning of these women's lives. But there were three surprises. Did you notice those three surprises? Surprise number one. The heavy stone had been moved. Surprise number two, there was no body in the tomb. And surprise number three, not every day is it that you get two angels appear to announce those amazing words towards the end of verse five. Why do you look for the living Amongst the dead. What a statement. And this 
statement changes everything. This trumps any surprise that Scylla Black would have announced that she would have had a Laura Laura fun as she did her surprise surprise. This time of mourning in the morning turned to hope for the hopeless that was brighter than any dawn. Still with you in Galilee. Luke's gospel tells us three times of what is about to be announced. That he will be betrayed, crucified, and rise again on the third day. And for us, as we read on, as we have the whole of Scripture in those four Gospels, Jesus announces before he was crucified, before he rises again on the third day, 13 times that this was going to take place. And then verse 8, we have... That light bulb moment. Then they remembered his words. Then they remembered his words. Where everything from now on would make sense. We, as I prayed, often, and we do, live in the Good Friday and the Easter Saturday of the unknown. But for us here this evening who believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior and the risen Lord Savior at that, let these words be of great encouragement to you this evening. Yes, it was a great surprise for the women in our reading. But they remembered. And so let us remember this Easter Sunday on the 9th of April, that death was no more. So our second reading is uh, John chapter 20, uh, 24 to 29. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, Because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Doubt. Did you know that a quarter of people who call themselves Christians to say today say the resurrection didn't happen. I was shocked at that statistics. A quarter of Christians today say that the resurrection didn't, ha- didn't happen. Uh, one theory is that the person of Jesus um, wasn't resurrected, but his message was. That, that is often something that people say. We may not go down that line, but 
we can all doubt. We can all doubt. And in our reading that was just read, Thomas didn't believe that the resurrection was possible. What Thomas asks is quite gruesome and quite insulting. Gruesome and insulting. After all, here was Jesus, one of Thomas's best friends. And Thomas is saying, you're faking it. You're faking it. Thomas wants to see and he wants to touch. If he cannot, he cannot believe that what the other disciples had seen, he too needs to see with his very eyes. And notice as Thomas asks to do these things, Thomas wants to both see and touch. But also, have you noticed the response of Jesus? Jesus doesn't bring out some PowerPoint slides and go through some present presentation of the reliability of what has just taken place. He invites Thomas to touch him and to see for himself. And then following that, we see what, in just a few words, says it all. My Lord and my God. What started in John's gospel for the masses, as he starts his gospel, speaking about who God is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, is before him. What was for the masses... What was a statement has now become up close and personal. Whereby Jesus is Thomas's Lord and God. Thomas asked for evidence. And there was no greater evidence than the risen Lord Jesus who was physically there before him to be seen, but also to be touched. For us here this evening, we can be like Thomas, the doubter. But obviously, we must not stay there. We need to move from the doubt to the belief. From doubting Thomas to believing Thomas. But let's not lecture people when they have those doubts. Let's not think that we can argue people in such a way that we sometimes can bully folk. The wonderful thing on Alpha is that the statement for those who lead on Alpha is this. You're not there to convert people. It is God by His Holy Spirit that converts people. And for us too this evening... Let's maybe pray for those who doubt. Let's pray for those skeptics. Let's pray for those who throw the questions. Yes, have a right response, being prepared in and out of season. But let's not think that we can just lecture people into their belief. The claim 
and the evidence is before our very eyes as we read Scripture. As Jesus says, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You and me, that includes. Let's point people, yes, to to books, um, uh, evidence that deserves a verdict. Uh, The Case for Christ comes to mind as really helpful books to help those who are searching. But hey, why not ask them to read a gospel too? That would be quite novel, wouldn't it? That maybe as, as they read the Jesus in the Scriptures, that the Jesus would speak to them. So that they too would move from their doubt to belief. And that they too would be able to say, My Lord and my God. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is speaking today. Let him speak. Our third reading is John 21, uh, beginning at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he says, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So, uh, if you're not, you can identify with Peter. I know there's two men in here this evening that can identify with Peter as they've gone through the Easter experience. And um, just um, as I've been preparing this, the various scenes of, of Mary and uh, Peter in that Easter experience of seeing that. But as we look at Peter, um, you could say that in some ways he's just like you and me. Sometimes he talks a good game. Sometimes you may say he's all talk. He's all talk. So, um, you know, for instance, so just going back earlier on in John's Gospel to John 13. Look, well, I'm going to look, but just listen to these words. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then this is really the truth and the heart of Jesus as he sees Peter. And he knows what Peter will do in the following verse. Will you really lay down your life for me, Jesus said? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And we know that was was prophetic in some ways. That was true. That's 
what happened. But I don't want to spend this evening bashing Peter, easy target in some ways, but more on the emphasis of seeing how Jesus commissions, speaks into Peter, knows Peter's heart, knows Peter's future, and likewise, as we see Jesus speaking into Peter's life, speaking into our life too. You see, being a Christian is primarily based upon Jesus' commitment to us. You see, Jesus, through, throughout the whole sweep of the Scriptures and throughout the Gospel, as you see Peter and Jesus together, Jesus is committed to Peter. Jesus knows Peter's failure. Jesus died for Peter. His failure, his weakness, his talking the talk, as it were, that as Richard made reference to, and as Rosie made reference to, and as Kay made reference to. Jesus was committed to Peter because he knew he needed a Savior. You see, for you, for me, this evening, Jesus is committed to us. Often, isn't it, when we, when we hear of people's testimonies in baptisms or at other times, we, we often speak, people speak, and we speak ourselves, the time when I committed my life to Jesus. And we know, in essence, what that means. But primarily this evening, let us not lose sight that Jesus was committed to Peter and Jesus is committed to you. He knows your failure. He knows your weaknesses, past, present, and future, just like Peter. And yet he still died for you. That's how committed he is to you this evening. Whatever you go on to do, whatever you've got done in the past, wherever you are at the moment, that's you at home too. Jesus is committed to you. But being a Christian means commitment to Jesus too, as Lord. Peter had denied Jesus three times. And in our reading we've just had, Jesus asks about Peter's love for him three times. And what does this love entail? Verse, four, verse 15 of chapter 14, Jesus tells us in John's gospel, If you love me, you will obey my command. If you love me, you will obey what I command. That is our commitment. That was, that was Peter's commitment. You see, we show our love to Jesus when we obey Him and we do what He commands. As we love Him and we love one another. Not because He's our rightful Lord, but out of love for us, 
Jesus went to the cross. And Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me like that? Do you love me like that in the way that I was obedient? You see, despite Peter's failure, he says yes three times. Verse 15, verse 16, and verse 17. Peter is not appealing to his track record, but to the Lord's knowledge of his heart. He's saying, Lord, you know my failure, but more importantly, you know my heart. You know what I really want. Peter's heart is to serve the Lord. But being a Christian means serving Jesus and accepting his plan for our lives. Look what Jesus says in his response. Look, look at what he says. He says this, verse 16, feed my sheep. Again, Jesus says, take, take care of my sheep, verse 17. And again, he says, feed my sheep. Peter's commission by Jesus is to look after the sheep. He's following the way of his master, the good, the great shepherd. And we read, don't we? Uh, it's quite sobering as we read what uh, Jesus says in uh, verse 18 and 19. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, went where you wanted, but when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands, someone else will dress you, and lead you where you do not want to go. Peter, you see, nothing happened in a kind of a relative mistake kind of way. Jesus knew Peter's destiny. But Jesus gave this commission to Peter. And for us this evening, at this time, when we know the truth, the truth has set us free. For us, we too have been commissioned by the resurrected Jesus to go into all the world, to make disciples. That was for them, but it's for us. But this evening, what will we do? What will we do with this good news? We know it's not fake news. We have the eyewitnesses account. That was this morning we heard about that and this evening. Yes, we will have doubts, but we can't stay with those doubts. The doubts need to turn to belief. And that sense of calling on God as our Lord. And like Peter, we can be like, like him. All talk. But surely our heart's desire in response to the Easter story is to go in his name as we have been commissioned by him to feed the sheep, to take care of the sheep. We all have that responsibility to go out to those sheep who have no shepherd, to go to the lost, that lost sheep, whoever he or she may be. But this evening, on this Sunday evening, this Easter 
Sunday evening. Easter, yes, is a great news, is, is wonderful, momentous news. But it's personal news as well. It's personal news for each of us. How do we respond to this commission of feeding the sheep? Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for this great message, this great commission, the call of our love for Jesus and our heart's desire, surely, to feed the sheep. Father God, we thank you for the great truth of knowing that Jesus knows our past, our present, and our future. And yet he calls us to go in his name. Father God, we thank you for this great news of Easter. That death is no more. That we're forgiven, we're saved, we're, we have this living hope. We thank you that uh, you loved us when you lived you loved us when you were dying and died. And you love us now as you reign in glory. Father God, thank you so much. May we respond in obedience to you. Let me end with a blessing. God the Father, by whose glory Christ was raised from the dead, raise you up to walk with him in the newness of his risen life. And the blessing of God the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. And we say together, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Amen.